Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Um, it's great to be speaking to you today as we continue through our series in Exodus. And today we reach a real high point in the story. We reach the bit of the story where God gives his people the 10 commandments. Now, this is the story of God calling Moses into a serious weather system on a mountain and writing instructions for Moses and his people on blocks of stone. I love Josh's appeal to us a few weeks ago that when we see these familiar stories, not to miss the point. I do believe that God has something really important to say to us today. And he wants each of us to change in different ways, no matter how familiar the story that we're going to read may be. So as we look at the story today, let's ask God to help us to not miss the point. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it instructs us. Uh, and Lord, even those stories may be familiar, even though some stories may be uncomfortable, I pray you'd help us to get to the point, to understand what it is you're saying to us and how you're asking us to change. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us hearts that are open to change. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read shall we? We're going to read from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And in my Bible, it's titled, Ten Commandments for the Covenant Community. Then God gave the people all these instructions or words. I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must have no other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish my unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honour your father and mother, then you'll live a long, full life in the land the Lord is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbour. You must not covet your neighbour's house. You must not covet your neighbour's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbour. 
As we've heard over the last few weeks, God has freed his people from slavery in Egypt and he's led them into the desert. Imagine this fledgling nation in the wilderness, absolutely helpless and exposed. These are a people who need to rely on God for everything, for food, for water and for direction. Now, looking at the story of Exodus, there's a very real sense of God as a loving parent, bringing children into the world, providing for their needs, feeding them, caring for them, and yes, disciplining them. And as every parent knows, for children to grow, thrive, and become responsible adults, they need very clear boundaries. They need to know right from wrong. They need to know what behaviour is acceptable and what behaviour isn't. Now, a few years ago, my wife and I attended a positive parenting course run by the Borough Council and our very own Auntie Norma. As I was preparing this talk, I pulled the workbook from that course off the shelf. Here it is. And I noticed that there was a sticky note in one of the pages. And my wife has written on this page, agree house rules. And I'm not sure if that was for me or the children, but obviously it was deemed to be quite important because it was the page with the sticky note. Most psychologists and behaviorists would agree that if we don't set clear rules, clear boundaries for our children, it creates anxiety in them because they don't know what's expected. And it creates chaos and conflict in the family. So, what I thought I would do um, was test the success of our parenting and ask our children what the house rules are. So let's see what they said. So boys, what are the rules in our house? Kind hands. Kind feet. Good listening. Listen to others. Kind words. Kind hands. And feet. Why do we have these rules, boys? So then we can keep safe. And I'm not sure. So that we can all feel loved. Why are these rules important? So then we can. Um, so then I got nothing. So then we can love each other, and so we can. Yeah, so we can feel like everyone loves us and that we're important. What happens if we don't follow the rules? We get told off. What he said. Um, if someone hurts us, we can feel like they don't love us. Thanks, boys. Boundaries are important in both our families and in our wider society. Because as these wise young men said, boundaries bring safety. And rules are a way to ensure that everyone is honoured and valued. The problem is, as human beings, we are by our very nature disobedient, aren't we? That's true of me, it's true of you, of my boys, and the people of Israel. Countless times God proved himself and demonstrated that he was God above all other gods. But as we read later in Exodus 32, their allegiance was at best fickle. I'm just going to read a small section from the start of Exodus chapter 32, which in the New Living Translation is entitled The Gold Calf. This all happened as Moses was up the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone. 
When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what's happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears, ears from, sorry, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In spite of everything that God had done in leading his people out of Egypt, in providing for them, in caring for them, it took no time at all for them to get impatient, for them to get anxious and to demand a new God to lead them. In other words, they wanted to decide what their God was like and to go their own way. So if ever there was a time for clear boundaries, this was it. God's people then and God's people now need the confidence, need the assurance that comes with knowing that we're doing what our father expects. And that's why God chooses to give the commandments to Moses. Unlike the impatient people who made that gold calf, we're blessed by having those clear boundaries written here for us. But just like the ancient Israelites, even with the boundaries that we've been given, we can far too easily find that we're molding God to fit our image, to fit our expectations and not the other way around. And we do that at our peril. The people who worship the golden calf soon learn the cost of their disobedience. And because these boundaries bring security, they bring assurance, without them, we're simply unable to fulfill our potential by growing into the people that God has called us to be. An important thing to remember is that following the 10 plus commandments isn't what makes the Israelites God's children. Think about it. Following the house rules isn't what makes my boys my children. My boys were born into my family. And the people we're reading about now in Exodus were all born into God's family as his children because of the promise that God made to their descendant Abraham many, many years before. So keeping these commandments isn't what gets these people adopted into God's family. Another important thing to remember is that these commandments aren't what saved God's children from slavery and from death in Egypt. God chose the people of Israel to be his children because of his love. He saved the children from slavery in Egypt because he heard their cry and he knew he needed to act. Not because they kept these 10 commandments, not because they were good, but because of his grace and his mercy. Point I'm trying to make is that following the rules, even the Ten Commandments, isn't what makes us God's children. It's not what saves us. No, what allows us to be adopted into God's family and what saves us is what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago. Just as the Israelites were saved from Egypt because of God's grace and his love, we too are saved from death and into new life because of God's undeserved grace and abounding love. Jesus died on that cross to deal with all the rubbish in our lives. He died on that cross to make a way for you and for me and for anyone to share in the promises that God made to Abraham all those years ago. In other words, 
We aren't accepted by God and adopted into his family by following rules. And what this means is the Ten Commandments don't describe how to be saved or how to get into God's good books. They describe how we get to live when we are saved. Now, as humans, when we see rules, we like to look for loopholes, don't we? You might remember a few years ago, some very high profile celebrities, some household names were caught up in a bit of a tax scandal. They were found to be sheltering millions of pounds a year from the UK Treasury in different offshore schemes. And that was millions of pounds that could have been spent on healthcare and other public services. The important thing is that these loopholes were completely legal. Everyone involved was following the letter of the law. What was wrong was the state of their hearts. Their starting point was, how much tax do I need to pay? Or how much tax can I get away with not paying? Do you notice the emphasis there? Our human nature is all too often focused on doing what we need to do to get rewarded and how much we can get away with so we don't get into trouble. And I can even see this with the angelic boys that you saw earlier, especially when it comes to dinner time. You know, feeding three highly opinionated mouths is inevitably going to require some compromises. But my wife and I decided quite early on that one of our red lines was that we wouldn't be cooking more than one dish at dinner times just, for cater, just to cater for different tastes and for different whims. In our house, we take more of a, this is what's on offer, take it or leave it approach. If you take it and you're still hungry, you can have pudding. If you don't take it, you're clearly not that hungry and therefore you probably don't want pudding. It might sound a bit hardline, but it's simply one of the ways that we avoid stress and anarchy in our house. And quite often, one or more of them will say, do I need to eat this bit to get pudding? To which we answer, no, you don't need to, you get to. And you get to have pudding too, if you like. Now that might sound a bit like a, a trite comparison, but we know that eating a balanced meal is going to do our boys good. And we know that not everyone is blessed enough to be provided with tasty, well-prepared and nutritious food. Whatever they might think now, the food we cook for them is actually a blessing. So it's important they change their thinking from this being something that they need to eat to something that they get to eat. Now that is a bit like God's commandments and what can sometimes be our attitude towards them. As I said earlier, God's commandments describe how we get to live when we're God's children. It's so important that we don't miss that point. So questions like, how much of my income do I need to give back to God? What can I get away with before it's adultery? Or what can I get away with taking from the stationery cupboard at work before it's stealing? They're really missing the point. I'm sure if we're honest, we've all fallen into the trap of thinking like this one way or another at one time or another. And instead of thinking like this, we need to turn our perspective around. We need to turn it around into how much of my income do I get to give back to God? How can I show by my lifestyle that God is a God of love, of faithfulness and purity? And how can I show God's abundant blessings to my employer? 
I hope you see the difference there. You see, the Ten Commandments give us a pattern to follow, which is good. Imagine if there were a society where even half of these commandments, or maybe even where only one of them were always kept. Imagine how amazing that society would be. But if we start with the rules, we've missed the point. I was very relieved actually in the video you saw earlier to hear my eldest son reflecting on love in his answers to my questions earlier. Did you notice? You see, our house rules are not actually kind hands, kind feet, kind words, listen to each other. There's actually more to it than that. And I found it interesting that because these boys are at different stages of maturity, they have a different level of understanding of that. Now, these are the three commandments that are listed on our fridge. In this house, we show that we love each other by using kind words, using kind hands and feet, and listening to each other. In this house, we show that we love each other by. Romans 13.9 says, For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbour as yourself. The context of our house rules and the context of the Ten Commandments is love. The life we get to live when we're adopted into God's family by putting our trust in Jesus is a life of love. And that's not something we can achieve by following rules. It's a change that needs to happen in our heart. It's a shifting of perspective from something we need to do to something we get to do. When we make that choice to be adopted into God's family, change is possible because of the transformation that happens in our hearts as we allow God to change us from the inside out. It's a change that's only possible when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to begin that process of transforming us, of bringing the grot and the rubbish to the surface and dealing with it so we can become more and more like Jesus. That's the transformation and the shift in perspective that we need. And it's the transformation that's gonna change the way we live, the way we interact with others and the very atmosphere of our homes and our community. In John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Living a life of love is one of the main ways that we get to point people to Jesus. So not only is it a blessing for us to be able to live like this, it's also a fundamental part of our mission to spread the good news. So let's not miss the point and see God's commandments as a way to spoil our fun or as rules we have to keep. This is the way we get to live. And by doing so, we get to bless him and those around us. Now, of course, there are times when we all mess up, no matter what our intentions or how good our relationship with Jesus is, this side of heaven, there are gonna be times when we say, when we do, or when we think things that fall short of the life of love that we get to live. There may be times when we put other things in the place of God, or when we misuse his name. There may be times when we don't give him the space he deserves in our lives. There may be times when we don't honor our parent, 
or times when, even if we don't actually murder, we have a very real desire to see someone come to harm. There may be times when we can't resist the temptation to be unfaithful or to take something that isn't ours. There may be times when we embellish the truth, or in other words, lie. There may be occasions when we really, really want what other people have. You may even feel that you've completely disqualified yourself from being part of God's family because of some of these things that you've done in the past or because of things that you're involved with now. If that's how you're feeling today, you need to know that God is waiting for you to turn to him. If you make the tiniest move in his direction, he'll run towards you and he'll scoop you up in his arms and you can know his healing. You can know his restoration and his love. And there may well be areas that you know that you need to hand back to him. Golden calves that you've created in your desire to be the Lord of your own life. If that's you today, and to be honest, it's probably all of us in one shape or form, I want to implore you to hand control back to the one that loves you and to live the life that you know you're called to. That's my prayer for all of us today, all nations, that we would be a family of God's children, living the life of love that he's chosen us to live, the life we get to live, laying aside those things that aren't of him so that we might bring him glory and to bring blessing and healing to our lost and broken world. I'm just gonna allow some time now for us to respond. So please do stand or kneel. Um, anything that you feel is gonna be helpful to help you respond to what God's saying to us today. Father God, we thank you that you are a good, good father. We thank you that you love your children. We thank you that you want the best for your children. And thank you that you've shown us how we get to live when we are your children. Lord God, we are sorry that we get things wrong. We're sorry that we mess up. And we thank you for your forgiveness, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would bring your conviction. You would help us to identify those areas of our lives that we need to turn back to you. Help us to identify those areas where we've overstepped your good boundaries, Lord. And thank you that you bring conviction and healing. Thank you that you don't bring condemnation. Thank you that you bring restoration, Lord. So today, Lord God, I pray you'd help us to not miss the point. I pray you'd help us to live the life of love that you've called us to. So that we can live good lives that are a witness to others and a witness to this lost and broken world. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you all nations.